and been here a long time. So anyway, tonight, it's my honor to have Adalis Shuttlesworth come to this pulpit, and we welcome you. Come on, lady, and obey God. Thank you. God bless you. All right, that's enough. That's enough. Sit down. That's all right. So happy you guys are here. Hi. I've missed you guys. Thanks for making it out. I'm really happy that you guys came. It's going to be a powerful weekend in the presence of the Lord. Can you say amen? My husband is currently in uh, Hobbs, New Mexico. We've been there for three weeks. It was a week meeting, and they just continued to extend it. We've seen hundreds of salvations, um, countless miracles, like stage four cancers. I'm not talking about the cutesy kind of miracles, like the sniffles. I'm talking about tumors being dissolved, stage four cancer being completely healed of that. Um, you know, mind disorder, mental disorders, people being set free and delivered. So it has been a powerful three weeks in the presence of God. So, of course, he's going to close out the service today in New Mexico, so he sent me. So, you're welcome, and I'm sorry. You're welcome, and I'm sorry. So, uh, you know, I know a lot of you are, are new to the ministry, pastor, probably has never heard my testimony, so we're going to get into that tonight. But I want you to lift your hands up even before we start the service and let me bless you. And we're going to, I'm going to speak some things over you because however you came in is not the way you're leaving today. Can you say amen? If you came in sad, you're going to go out happy. If you came in sick, you're going to be healed in Jesus' name. So Father, I thank you even in the inception of this meeting. I thank you for your power. I thank thank you for your anointing that fills this place even now. Father, I thank you for every person in this place. I thank you that they would have an encounter with your power, with your anointing, the likes of which they've never known before in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, even from now, I rebuke the spirit of infirmity. I curse everything of the devil, every tree planted in their bodies that was not there because of uh, whatever. Uh, the the devil placed it in them. I thank you, Father, that that tree is now uprooted even now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Everything of fear drops off of them now in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. So I'm really excited. I, I counted a blessing. I counted a, 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 an incredible honor to take the place of my husband because those are very large shoes. Y'all know him. He's been at the stand. Um, how many of you guys drove out just for, just to know? Yeah, cool. cool. Well, welcome for those of you. And then hello for everybody who makes this house their home. Um, my name is Adala Shuttlesworth. My twin sister is here, Mags. She looks a little round because she's pregnant. She's pregnant. Yeah. She's about to pop. And she just drove, if you know anything about us, she just drove an RV from Pennsylvania to Florida. Give her. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so if you know anything about us, if you followed us, um, we have always wanted an RV. And I asked her, are we going to get an RV? And she said, absolutely not. So that dream is gone. Anyway. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Pastor's wife, I'm assuming that's you because you're awfully close to him. Um, thanks for having me. 
Um, and and when, when I first met John, I'll take you back that way. Um, when I first met John, I was 18 years old. And I was hungry for the things of God, not really knowing where to go. I knew that I wanted to be successful. And I didn't think ministry would afford me that. Because I grew up in a very legalistic background where you couldn't wear hoop earrings, you couldn't wear red lipstick, you couldn't wear pants. You see the trend? Couldn't cut your your hair short. (laughs) Everything opposite. And so... I remember thinking to myself back when I was um, in that atmosphere, I would rather go to hell and, and, and be happy here on earth than be absolutely miserable and make it to heaven. Like with that, that to me, at my, I was eight years old thinking those things. And so I remember being 18 years old and this man, this blonde, you know, firecracker comes uh, to the platform and me and my sister were uh, youth leaders at the time. And I remember him calling me out and giving me a specific word about ministry. Now, he didn't know it, but when I was 17, 16 years old, God had already begun to stir in me ministry things. But when I was in high school, I was painstakingly shy. Like I was to say that I was fearful about any and everything was probably is is still probably a real big understatement because I was just scared all the time. I was a, I was afraid of man's approval. I was afraid to to get up in front of people and talk. I would miss out. Ask my sister I, if there was an oral presentation, I would skip out on it. I would say that I'm sick and I'd skip. And then on the makeup days, I'd also call out sick, so I'd have to come in the after school hours to go and do it. Because I was like, I hated doing that because I was so afraid. But I got a dream when I was uh, 16 years old, and it was me doing what I'm doing right now. I was just preaching. I had a mic. There was a platform, a, a, a pulpit, and I was doing exactly what you're seeing me do. And in my head, I'm thinking, I don't know how that is ever going to manifest. It's probably me dreaming. Right? Because I, everybody, you know, we all thought we were going to be Mariah Carey at some point, you know, in our infancy. I'm bringing it back because I'm an 80s child. So, you know, I thought that I was going to be Whitney Houston. Thank God I'm not. Uh, Mariah Carey, the likes, because I'm like, I, you know, I can sing. I can keep a note. So I just figured that's just probably one of those cutesy little things that I'm, you know, conjuring up in my head. But then I'm sitting at that service, and Jonathan calls me out and says, God's hand is on you for ministry. And he laid his hands on me, and I felt the fire of God come on the inside of me, and I fell. And I don't fall pretty. I don't, I'm not like the, the graceful followers. I, 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 uh, the followers. I'm telling you, like, if you've ever seen me at a Pastor Rodney Howard me, uh, Brown meeting, like, it's almost like the, an angel in the spirit comes with a two-by-four and just sucker punches me right. And I'm like, Ugh. we also call those the Captain Crunch, the Captain Crunchies, you know. Anyway, spirit talk. So I remember being there, you know, him calling me out, falling under the spirit. And it began something on the inside of me, like a confidence knowing this is where I'm supposed to be. So did I go to Bible school after? No, of course not. No, I didn't. I didn't go to Bible school because I, again, I was so convinced. I didn't have enough of the word to know the goodness of God. I didn't know that he would take care of the people that, he, that worked for him. I just thought you're taking an oath of poverty because that's how, what I've always seen. 
And so I said, you know, TLC, do you guys remember TLC? I thought I was going to be an interior designer. Stop mocking me back there. I have feelings too. So I was obsessed with this show called TLC, Trading Spaces, okay? And so I was like, this chick could do it. That was awful. That was like an awful, like, design for a room. I could do that. So I got accepted to a, an art college in Boston, and I, uh, I was going to major in interior design. And so I was like, I'm going to make this happen for myself. You know, the Bible says that in a, a man has a way, right? He, they, and it might be, you might have good intentions, right? But in the end, it doesn't really lead to much. It actually leads to death, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here kind of conjuring up this plan for my life. Even though I felt the, the leading of the Lord to do something, I thought it would be good to come up with the plans on my own. And so I went to art school, and I hated every second of it. I literally didn't even last like half a semester because I was so miserable. It, the, the commute, it's in Boston. If you know anything about Boston traffic, forget it. Forget about it. And so I remember crying out to God, and it was, uh, uh, what was it, not December break, Thanksgiving break, and I remember crying out to God and saying, this really stinks. I hate this, and I have to pay money to do what I'm doing, which I hate, and so I said, God, if, if you're real, look it, that's the faith that I had. If you're real, I need you to speak to me at this time, and if you're really calling me to ministry, I'll go. Yeah. And, and I said, there's, there's two contenders. At the time, it was um, Eastern Nazarene that was right on the outside of uh, skirts of Boston. And then Zion Bible College, which is in Rhode Island. And I said, Lord, I'm, um, there's two Bible schools. And I need to know which one you want me to attend. And I said, and luckily for me, both of those names are right in the word of God. So I need you, when I open this word. <laughs> like... But, you know, God, God, you know, he's, he's such a good God. And he works with where you're at. He really, really does. Because if I had tried to pull that with him now, he'd laugh at me. He'd be like, no. But back, in the, back then, I was like really, I, I really, my heart was, was set to hear from God. And so I literally did one of those things. And then, boom, turned right into the book of Zechariah where it says, my people will come to Zion. And so I thought, Okay, loud and clear. And I remember I, I, I did all of the arrangements. It was almost like, you know, like a 24-hour turnaround. My mom thought I was going crazy, literally. So I said, no, I have to go. I have to do this. So I, I checked out of uh, art school, and I sent in my, my, you know, application for Zion. I, of course, <laughs> you know, because they accept anybody these days. Um, I got in immediately, and, and that was it. And, and I remember... Um, being there, and I, I thought I was going to hate it. I loved it. Because when God tells you to do something, you love it. He gives you the grace to do it, to complete the task with joy. And so I didn't know that. I, I wasn't familiar with that God yet. I thought I'm going to have to endure till the end with this mold up in here. It's, it's, we were working in the miraculous even back in that Bible school. I'm telling you, there was mold. You could smell it. The heat didn't kick on until after November for God knows what reason, Max. We ain't playing. It was like 32 degrees outside. We're like, Ugh. So anyway, so um, then 
I really feel I felt impressed to seek the Lord for what to do. And so I remember praying and fasting for the very first time in my entire life, which was a three-day water fast. I didn't know that that was going to be that hard. You know, I had a migraine the entire time. I wasn't drinking enough water. But again, sincere. And I was, uh, I, I was wholeheartedly, I was so hungry to know God's will for my life. And I remember it as clear as day. He said, pray for America. You're called to America. Because I knew geographically I'm, I'm, I'm scheduled to be at a place. And so he said, America, I, I've called you to America. And then I felt impressed evangelism. And I thought, what? Okay, evangelism, that's a big task. But in my head, I'm thinking, I know an evangelist. And he's kind of cute, you know. So I was like, maybe are you working something in me, Lord? And so I, I, it was confirmed through a prophet from India um, a couple days later. I was walking up the stairs, and he was walking down the stairs. And he looked at me and said, Evangelist Dallas, how are you? And I about, like, dropped, Okay. And so I knew I, it was confirmed within me that that's exactly what I was going to do. So I was working three jobs, okay. I was working uh, for uh, the youth group. I was working at TJ Maxx. I was working at uh, uh, Bertucci's, uh, which you, you don't know anything about, but that's a pizza place in Boston. You, where are you from? Well, Connecticut. I love Bertucci's. Those rolls. Mmm. Glory. I'm hungry. So anyway, so I was working all these, these jobs. And I remember going to TJ Maxx and working that long shift right after school. I had to drive like an hour and a half to get over there. And I remember Jonathan just waiting for me with a Red Bull. And I thought, like, what is he doing here? Like, where's my youth pastor? I'm thinking maybe there was ministry that he, no one ever told me about. Like, what is this guy doing? And he came up to me, and I was at the crash register, and he said, I'm taking you out tonight. So let me know when the shift is done. And I thought, I'm sorry? Like, he wasn't asking. <laughs> Should have known from day one what I was getting myself into. He didn't ask. He's like, I'm taking you out. I got a Red Bull here. Meet me at, uh, at the car. I was like... Okay, so then I ran into the bathroom, combed my hair out, hyperventilated a little bit because I was like, oh my gosh. And, and, and I, I remember thinking, I'm like, yeah, you know, I just want you to know, about a year and a half ago, I wrote in my journal that I was going to marry you. So you're a year and a half late. <laughs> that was literally one of the first things that I told him. Um, and so he said, great, then let's get married. And I was like, let's do it. So we, we, were, we went out on our first date in um, November, engaged April, married in September. Because when you know, you know. And I knew. I knew with certainty. The Lord told me. And so um, I remember stepping into this ministry role with no ministry background. I mean, I, I, I don't come. You know, when I, I, I often say this because when I went to his house uh, for holidays, uh, Brother Tiff would, would pull out a, a song and just sing hymns. <laughs> he would just sing hymns. You know, I'm like, who's recording this? Y'all really do this? Oh, my gosh, this is for real. Because that wasn't the way that I was raised. 
Ain't no, my father wasn't coming out with, with you know, the mandolin and, you know, pl- playing something to, to worship the father. That was not, that was very unfamiliar to me. And so this is where he's coming from, uh, uh, generation after generation of ministers who are passionate uh, for the things of God. And then there was me. So I was like, what have I stepped into? Like, what am I doing? And little by little, I, I just began convincing myself, these are, the, this does not make sense. Like, I don't know why he, he must have made a mistake picking me, a Puerto Rican from Framingham, Massachusetts, with absolutely no ministry background. I mean, I love God, but that's pretty much it. And so I'm trying to fulfill this role as a minister's wife, trying to fake it. You know, uh, uh, that guy, Stephen Tyler, says, fake it till you make it. That was one of my life's mottos in the beginning of our marriage. I'm like, fake it till you make it. Hello, pastor. <laughs> you know, one of those things. Because I was just thinking, I'm not, I'm not this person. So I'm trying to fit this mold that just doesn't exist in my own lifestyle, but I'm thinking this is what they want, right? And so, you know, of course, Jonathan being the person that he is, he can preach the house down. And so I just thought, well, then I know why God called me here. He's called me to be a helpmate to my husband, obviously, but, uh, you know, just to kind of cater and take care of the ministry things. He most definitely didn't call me to preach because if he did, he doesn't really know what's afforded to him. Hello, you know. And so we had our daughter, but each year... I grew a little bit more and more, like, um, disgruntled. I hate to say that word because that's a really bad word. And if you feel disgruntled, I'm going to break that off of you today. Uh, because it's, it's, a red, it's a red flag. If you're feeling some kind of way where la vida te apesta, do you know what I mean? Your life, it stinks. You know, it's, you get up and you're like, mm, like, I know this is great. You know, I, I, love, I love ministry, but why do I... Well, it stinks, you know? And so I, was, I, was, I, 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 I wasn't smart enough back then to kind of like decipher that's a spiritual thing. Get rid of it. No, I just kind of gave into it, you know? And so I was just thinking, this is it. This is my lot in life, just taking care of my husband, taking care of this ministry. When God placed something on the inside of me to do, and it wasn't separate, or it wasn't separate from my husband. It would be uh, uh, with my husband. It would aid my husband's ministry. And now I'm looking at it now, and this is, a, 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 this is why. This is why, God, because for days like today, he could send me as, as, as you know, unfortunately, unfortunately for you, uh, to kind of pave the way so that we could do double the work. And so I didn't see it at the time. So in 2015, I was pregnant again with my second child. And uh, during all this, again, the disgruntled, the mm, you know, and I remember not even being excited about being pregnant. I was like, "Mm, great. Millie, Eddie, over here. Right here, thank you. Uh, And and so I just, like something just, it wasn't like the the joy. Yeah, don't mind them, hurry up, you're late. Where were you? Leave it up to Spanish people to be this late. (laughs) So, I remember just being like, not happy. Just overall, just not happy. The joy. And you know what? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So when joy is zapped, you feel weak. 
And that's what I felt. I felt weak mentally. I felt weak physically. And lo and behold, I miscarried, but it was like an obnoxious kind of miscarriage because I lost right in the hotel bathroom a third of my blood. And so I was hemorrhaging uh, uh, quite badly. And I remember my sister, she drove in from Pittsburgh three and a half hours that same day. And we drove back three and a half hours. And she was going like a buck 20, you know, because I was so fragile. And literally. Um, and then we just made it to the hospital. And I remember being admitted and thinking, and this is where it's all over. This is where it ends. And in my heart, I'm thinking, you know, this, this, uh, my life is over. There's no way, because I felt so weak. And you have to understand, when, when you feel weakness, when there's that kind of transition looming, you know it's there. You can't deny that. And so I remember being in that hospital bed and being taken care of by the nurses and having blankets just thrown over me. I could feel the weight of the blankets, and they were all heated. And I remember one of the nurses coming in and saying, I've, I've put like four blankets on her, and she's still shivering. And the doctor said, no, it's because her body has gone into shock. She's lost too much blood. Well, now at this point, I am so weak, I can't even open up my eyes. I'm very with it. I'm very aware, but I can't speak. I can't open my eyes. And now I begin to have like my spirit come above my body. And so now I'm thinking like Jesus, right? And so I remember laying in that bed, thinking about my daughter, thinking she's going to have to have a stepmom, thinking about Jonathan. It's like someone's going to have to marry that man. You know, God bless. I'm going to pray for her now. Thinking about the ministry, thinking about like a million things. And then I, I finally, I, after I, I kind of th think about all the things, you know, life flashes before your eyes. That's true. And then I think to myself, now I'm really going to meet Jesus. So like, how was that going to work? And I remember in the word of God, because I studied it enough, to know that there's something called the Bema judgment. And for sinners... You experience a different kind of judgment from God. It involves his wrath. We don't want to be there. But for the believer, there's something called the Bema judgment, which is a judgment from God based on the things you've done here on the earth. So all of the things that you've done here on earth are going to be tried by fire. And only that which God deems good will make it through the fire. And so I, I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I ironed his clothes. I did the, the books for the ministry. I'm raising an awesome daughter. Like, that has to count for everything. But it all came back to what is it that I told you to do? And I thought, preach the word. And so and now I'm thinking, and I'm not even trying to be cute. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm thinking about excuses to tell Jesus. So I'm like, I'm just going to tell him it was John's fault, that he was so good, that he intimidated me. I'm going to throw my grandfather in there, never met him, but I'm just throwing it in here. He did something, you know, maybe he cursed, cast a spell. I'm just trying to think of like a million reasons as to like how I can address this. And every reason I thought was absolutely pathetic. And so I remember being there thinking, uh, you're not going to be so pleased with my effort here. And so I remember being in that bed and praying to God, Father, if you give me one more chance, I'll do what you've called me to do. I promise you. 
I won't, I don't care. I just want to do what you've called me to do so that when I see you, I can have an abundance of things to show you. Because we're all living sacrifices. After you're saved, it just doesn't end there and you can do whatever the heck you want. It doesn't work that way. You are now to be a living sacrifice to Jesus Christ. Everything you do, it matters. That's why you're here. That's why you're here tonight. So if you're thinking about dying, I need you to stop it. Jesus, I don't know if you know, 2020 has, 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 has really was an eye-opener for me because I know Jesus really is coming back quickly. There is no time. And in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be caught up with the Lord. So it's going to happen. So why plan to die now? You're right there. Stick with it in Jesus' name. That was for somebody. I, was, I don't even know where I was going with that. So I remember being there and, and crying out to God. And then all of a sudden, this guy comes in, injects me with something. And then all of a sudden, from this arm all the way through here, pump out and through, I felt the warm, like a warmthness come on the inside of me. Little did I know I was going through a blood transfusion. A <laughs> couple of them. <laughs> but that stood out to me. And I'll get there eventually. But, uh, uh, and, and so I, I, I just remember feeling life back and thinking like, okay, I don't think I'm going to die. Thank God. But then after that transaction, because the devil's a bully. Turn to somebody and say that. The devil's a bully. He's a bully. And what bullies like to do is they like to, to keep the, the, the beat down in your memory. They don't even have to touch you. They just have to kind of like point to something and be like, do you remember? And then you just pee your pants a little bit and you run and hide. So that was like a door that was completely just, it opened right in my face. Broke my nose in the spirit, okay? And I do remember crying out to God um, because I, I, I would feel that fear come in and it was so demonic. And if you've never had a panic attack, I hope you never do because I experienced a couple of them. And I remember being in ministry after all of this has kind of like simmered down. I'm crying out to God, wee, 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 you know. And then still kind of like dealing with this like anxiety and fear. And really what it was is torment. It was t like literally the most vexing, tormenting spirit that came on my brain. It, it just sat, it felt like an elephant had sat on my, my head and I couldn't think anything else but this fear, but this anxiety. And I remember being in, in, in a meeting with Jonathan and I sat on that bed and I thought, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can, like, join him because I'm going through this panic attack and I feel like I, I have to go because I'm inundated with worry. I'm in Jupiter, Florida. Has anybody been to Jupiter, Florida? It's, like, a be beautiful place. It wasn't like I was, like, in Mumbai, India, you know. <laughs> Mumbai is actually nice. But, you know, in the rural, Picharaki, Peru, I wasn't there, you know. To, uh, 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 but but uh, so it, that, I'm saying this to you because there was no reason to fear, even if I was in Picharaki, Peru. I had no reason to fear because God is with me. But I allowed that fear to permeate and construct this reality to me, uh, of me, for me. And I, I just remember sitting there thinking, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. And every time I thought, I'm going to leave, the panic would subside. It was like that, that fight or flight came into reality for me that night. Because it was like, I didn't want to fight it. I just wanted to run and hide. 
And so I remember telling John, I'm, I'm booking my ticket and I'm going back home because I think like I'm going to have a heart attack and die. And he said, you can do, he's so graceful. You can do whatever you want, Jonathan said. You can. But I want you to know that this is an attack from the enemy and it's fear. And the moment he said that, it was like a light shone inside of me and like exposed the devil for who he really was. And I remember thinking, no, that's, that's exactly what this is. And I remember going on that balcony. It's a five-star hotel, beautiful, Jupiter. People are, you know, fancy out there. And I remember being on that balcony and just praying in the Holy Ghost. A todo volumen. You know, like the, the I'm angry. Holy Ghost shouts. You know. I single-handedly dropped the star rating of that hotel to like a three and a half star. But I remember that was the start of the turnaround for me because I remember that that was what it was. And it was exposed. And I thought to myself, I'm living in this captivity and the only person to get me out of it is Jesus. And you know what the word of God says is Jesus is, is the word. He's the word. They're one and the same. And so I remember thinking to myself, even after this encounter with God and me like crying out, like, I'll do what you say. I'll go where you want me to go. I was still delving into that kind of fear. And so I thought, no, we got to get rid of this because I'm Puerto Rican and I don't like being bullied. I had enough fight on the inside of me that I knew, mm -mm, been here a time or two before. It didn't end well for the enemy. Amen. I was almost expelled from school. That was under the blood. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I just, I remember finally just being at my wit's end. You know, you have to get to that place for God to move in your life. You have to get to the place where I am absolutely sick and tired of being sick and tired. And until you get to that place, ain't nobody going to help you out of your misery. Not even Jesus Christ. I'm telling you that with certainty because I was there. I know what it's like to battle something in your body for months and months and months. After that incident had happened, I was bleeding continually for six months. Can I tell you how long it even took me to, 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 to you know, recall the, the, the story of the woman with the issue of blood? I myself was facing a blood issue, and it took me almost two and a half, three weeks to even think about the woman with the issue of blood. Say, uh-oh. Because I thought like I was entitled to healing. I was entitled to all of these benefits simply because I was in it. But my heart wasn't in it. I was in it. I was sitting in services, and Jonathan was, was praying and fasting and believing. And I just took that scripture and said, the two are one. So, Jonathan, go ahead. I'm going to go to Burger King, but you go and pray for the both of us. You fast. Yes. Hallelujah. I'm going to eat that steak for you to become one. And I just thought I could just go along and just hang on to the coattails of, you know, that, that whatever he's doing and, and just benefit from it. But that's not how it works. Because God really loves you. He really cares for you. 
and he has a plan for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you and never to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. He has called for you to run a race. Are you going to, yes, you personally. You, not, not vosotros as the body. You as an individual, God has called to run a race. And it's not that you choose which race you want to run. You simply discover it. Because if, if, if he called you to do it from the time you were in your mother's womb, the Bible says. He ordained you. He gave you a call. He positioned you to do something that is going to bring him glory. So we don't just choose. There's so many people that are like, mechanic. I guess I'm going to be a mechanic. That's not how it works. You don't choose these things. You find out through prayer and fasting what God has purposed on the inside of you to do. He's ready to speak to you. He wants to speak to you personally. I am so sick and tired of people being weak because they're so dependent on the pastors and the other people. My grandma, my mother. He agrees. Pastor agrees. He's been there a time or two. Obviously. Dang. Make it obvious, Pastor. Because that's what people do. It's so interesting to me. You know, you, you have people coming in and out. And I know I'm speaking by the Spirit because I'm not a pastor yet. We will be in November. But people will come in and they'll bring their children to Sunday school. And be like, go ahead. Be blessed. And then they get expelled. They're in all kinds of pornography. Then they come to the pastor and be like, why didn't you take care of my kid? Fix him. An hour? You think an hour is going to do it? But this is what people do. It's not just, uh, just for children in ministry. This is what we do every single day of our lives. We, we play the scapegoat. Well, I'm not, this isn't working out because of this. This isn't, you know, I can't really fully step into this because of my past. You don't know me, sis. You don't know what I've been through. I'm a bad person. You know how many times I've heard that? I'm like, okay, go ahead. Tell me what you've done. I, I have had two divorces. And people will literally not do what God's called them to do because they think, I've been through two divorces and God can't use me. Okay. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck with that excuse, baby. <laughs> Divorce. God can heal you of stage four cancer. He can forgive the, the ugliest sinner, the darkest stain. He'll blot it out. But he can't use you because you're divorced twice over. Are you joking me? Please don't insult. Please don't insult the Lord like that. But we put God in a box simply because we don't want to really handle our own crap. If there's things in your life that are full of failure, stagnancy, defeat, you have to get up and fight against those things. I had to be sick and tired of the state that I was in in order to get out of that state that I was in. So come December of 2015, we're now headed into January, I petition, I, I, I take 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I'm now crying out to the Lord. And I'm like, I need a new lease on life. I told you that I was going to do something, and I need you to come through for me, uh, uh, because right now I'm not feeling so hot. And so 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'm get, crying out to the Lord. Lord, I need you to come through. Tell me what to do. And finally, finally, of course he waited till 21 days. 
like literally in my prayer closet, like in my closet. Like that was the only closet that I had. And I was, it's literally from here to here. And I remember just being on my knees and crying out to God and saying like, you need to speak to me. I need you to to come through for me. I need, I need this or I'm going to die. And you know what the Holy Spirit said? He said, do the last thing that you didn't do that I told you to do. And I thought, no, you must be out your, Father, give me a new lease on life. I don't think you heard me the first time, Lord. For real? And the last thing he told me to do was when Camila was um, about like three months, I started looking for uh, Bible books for kids. And every time I'd find a book, uh, David and Goliath, really that was the, the Noah, David would always have like these fright lines like, ooh, like David was scared. You know, there was actually a couple books that I read in, in like David was scared, but God was with him. And I thought, nope. The Bible actually says that David ran after Goliath. What, what happened to that? What happened to the fire in his eyes? You know, try to fright lines. Your bubbly, stupid drawings anyways. Can you get me um, my fierce book? And so I remember thinking to myself, that's the last thing you told me to do that I didn't do. And that was two years before. And so I said, but God, you told me to do these things. But I graduated with a 2.6 GPS. Or GPA. (laughs) GPS. I did it again. I want you. I want you to feel encouraged. I want you to feel encouraged. If God can use me, he can use you. GPS. I said that. That's the second time I've said that publicly. I don't even care. GPA. 2.6 GPA. Just to prove. That was the Holy Ghost saying, see? And then uh, uh, I dropped out of art school and I dropped out of Bible school because I met Jonathan. And what I forgot to tell you is that he said, hey, you're called to be an evangelist. Great. Just get married to me. And I was like, yeah, sure. Bye. (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) So I'm like, I didn't, I don't have any certificate to let anybody know that I'm like qualified to be an author. And he said, I didn't call for all that. I just said to do the book. I was like, okay, you know. And then looking back on it now, it's not like I had to be a creative genius to retell the story that Christ told. I mean, looking back on it, I'm like, you dope. That's like one of the easiest things you could do. You just recite it, put it in simple terms, and boom, put a stamp on it. And so I, I remember thinking, okay, this is the first step in the right direction. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for allowing me the privilege of seeing things the way they are, and I'm going to do it. I promise you I will do it. And so I wrote the book, and the first book that I wrote was David and Goliath. And I remember thinking to myself, now I'm going to have to draw. <laughs> because I, I literally, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find uh, believers, uh, you know, that, that are really good artists, and I'm really not having a good time finding any. And the people that I've contacted, they have yet to contact me back. Literally, I remember even after, you know, drafting the contract with, with Justin, having one of those artists contact me a year later. 
freaking Christians that are always thinking everything's going to be volunteer work, you know? So I'm like, I was like, and I told the Lord, I said, if I'm going to do it, it's not going to be volunteer work. It's going to be excellent. I'll pay whatever I have to pay. This thing is going to be a representation of your goodness and your excellence in my life. And so I said that, and I said, but, you know, you're going to have to send that artist my way because I'm going to have to drop, like, stick figures at this point. But I will do it because I want it to be done, and I don't want to disappoint you anymore. I was at that place in my life. And so I, in, in the Instagram page, I remember going to a popular thing at the time. There was all kinds of pictures. And I saw this one image stand out from, you know, the 20 that were on that screen. And it was a, a, a sketch of Moses. And it had like Deuteronomy 29 over it, like on his bandana. And I thought, that is so dope. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, don't get excited at Alice. Like we've already been here. I'm going to send him an email, and hopefully this year he'll contact me. And so I didn't know where he was positioned. I just figured he's working for Pixar with the likes of his ability. So I was thinking, uh, you know, he's probably in California somewhere, like, you know, doing big things. And so I sent him an email, and I said, listen, I need an illustrator. I'm willing to, to pay whatever it takes to pay. I'm not asking for volunteer work, but God has put it in my spirit to do a children's series, and I would love your info. I would love your input. Maybe you can do it. If not, maybe you can lead me to somebody who will do it, who could help me, because I, I really need the help. And so less than 24 hours later, I had a voicemail on my phone, and it was Justin Stewart. And he leaves the message. I remember being in this little coffee shop over in, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and taking that phone call. And he said, uh, Adalis, I am such a fan of you and Jonathan's ministry. I just want you to know, back in 2015, when you guys launched in Nicetown, uh, Pennsylvania, for your first ever Festival of Life, I was there volunteering. My wife loves you and your sister's devotionals. So I almost passed out right there because I was thinking that was way too easy. And, and that's why I come really hard on people that delve with this fear thing because if you could really see the truth, you'd think there's nothing to fear. You know, in the book of Revelation, when, they, when we see, when we're all gathered together and we see Satan get his butt whooped, we're going to say, is this he that deceived the nations, this little rat? We fell for that trap of being afraid and not doing everything God's called us to do because of him? And I feel that way. I feel that so strong because I would have missed out on the greatest blessing. I would have been dead if I simply didn't obey the word of the Lord. And so he's talking to me. I call him finally, and I said, listen, I'm, I'm thrilled out of my mind. You don't even know how, what an answer to prayer this is. I started off this year in 21 days of fasting, and you're the answer to that prayer. And he said, it's interesting because God already started to give me, um, you know, to speak to me and, and let me know that there was an, art or an author who was going to partner up with me. And he said, which is the first book? that you are planning to write. And I said, oh, I already wrote it. It's David and Goliath. And he said, hold on, let me send you something. Well, several weeks before, the Holy Spirit told him, draw a picture of David looking mighty. So on our very first call, he sends me a, a picture 
of our cover. So I just want, I want to encourage every person here that's, that's actually fighting thoughts of fear, please get rid of it. Because it's interesting, when we look at uh, uh, the Israelites, and, and when God said, I want you to go into the land, I want you to go in there, and I want you to take that land. It's the promised land, I've called you to it, go and take it. Well, 10 out of the 12 spies said, we are but grasshoppers. We look so little to them. It's great. The land is great. It's, it's everything God said he, that, that it would be. But really, you know, we're awful. And we, we aren't going to be able to fight. But then there was Joshua and there was Caleb. And they had a different report. Say different report. And you know what the difference was between Joshua and Caleb and the rest of the spies? The Bible says it. They had a different spirit. Because fear is a spirit. And when you engage in that spirit of fear, it leads you to death and decay. Following that fear is never going to lead to anything good, I promise you. I remember uh, on that day of, of 2016 in, in January, praying out to God during this whole thing saying, Father, if you just, if you tell me how to get out of this fear, I will tell the world. This will be my message. If you somehow let me know how to get out of this fear, out of this mess that I'm in, I will tell everybody. That was my covenant, which is I'm fulfilling right now. I told the Lord, every new church that I set foot in, I will tell of how you freed me from fear and how it's possible for you. Because fear, and then I'm thinking about it all these years later, so fear is the enemy of everything. Like at the root of everything is fear. Fear. Did somebody put this up here for me? Thank you, girl. Okay. <laughs> That's excellent. Meg, you got that. <laughs> Thank you. I must be sweaty, though, because it's really hot under here. So anyway, um, so I, I'm, I'm now crying out to God again, right, uh, during this thing. But I'm, I'm, I'm slowly coming out of that fear because I'm like, these things are lining up, God. You, you are who you said you are. And so I remember thinking, like, I'm, I'm going to petition this. I'm going to throw this out there. And Holy Spirit, you lead me. You, you said in your word, you'd lead me into all truth. So I need you to do that for me right now. And so I, I devoted myself. I was so hungry for the answer out of fear that every single day, okay, every single day for about three months, all I did was ingest the word. I, I read the word. I read books on the word. I, I pre, like if I was vacuuming, I would have um, a, a Bishop Oyedepo on. Like I took a hiatus from all my Spanish music when I was like, you know, cleaning and just put preaching. That's a lot for me. Because I, no, get Ricky Martin, hey, Ricky Martin, that's a, so it was Menudo, okay? Um, so uh, Ricky Martin. I didn't listen to Ricky. It's just a band. So, so uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm in it, and I'm in it. But, you know, all the while, I'm still having these, like, panic attacks every now and again. But then I start getting into it. I start reading the word of God. I start hungering and thirsting after God. And all of a sudden, uh, the fear goes. The panic goes. My, the, the, the all, all things that were happening in my body just completely corrected. Three weeks after me praying that, I look back and think, oh, my gosh, I haven't had one 
spell of fear, a one panic attack. I haven't bled. Like I'm, I'm like good. And I thought to myself, I remember being in my bed thinking to myself, I'm free. Like I am perfectly whole. And I thought, God, is it really that easy? And I was like, no, no, it's probably the, the B12, the vitamin B12, or maybe, <laughs> did I start a vegan diet and not know it? I don't know. Because even in my head, I was thinking, like, that was way too easy. It can't be that easy. So I was, I was literally, this is how dumb I was. I was like, no, it has to be like, am I taking supplements? Maybe it was the supplements. Maybe it was like the iron pills that they just started no, no. And so I thought, it really can't be that easy. And I felt the word of the Lord overwhelm me and say, it is that easy. Now tell everybody that it is that easy. Fear and faith cannot cohabitate. I don't care what your Spanish mom told you. No. I need you, no, you know, el cuco, el cuco te va a comer. Te va a comer. That means the, the gremlin is going to eat you if you go past that door. Everything the Spanish people ever do is based out of fear. Yeah, no. If you stay late, el chupacabra te va a venir y te va a sacar la sangre. So I was like, Mom, I'm six. You know, it starts playing with your mind. You start going a little crazy at six. You're thinking about el viejo, who's going to come. You know, it's not even a thing. You know, no, you, you need to come home at 8, okay, honey? Okay, that's when, it, like, that's when it starts, like, getting hot for the night. Mom, come on, you know? No, I want you to be home at 8 because there could be a drunk driver, and he'll kill you. So I'm like. <laughs> you know, I've learned not to, to do that with my kid. And I know that when she wants to go out, when she's 16, 17 years old, I'm not going to bring that same, you know, stupid story, a drunkard's going to kill you. No, I'm going to say, come back home at 8 or I'm going to kill you. <laughs> See the difference? See the difference? It's a wholesome fear. Wholesome. Got to keep that in line. But it's, 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 it's you, you, but we've been programmed to allow this fear to literally suck the life out of us. And you have to make it a point in your Christianity that I will no longer be a captive to fear. I will no longer be a slave to fear. You have to get that through your head today. You make the choice. Nobody else can do it for you. I wish, I'm sure Jonathan was frustrated with me. He never, he never let on. He was always so gracious. But I'm sure that he wanted to take that, that fear out of me. But there I was, <laughs> shaking in my bones. But it was until I said, enough is enough. I'm going to hunger and thirst after these things. I'm going to see what the word of God has to say. Because a change can only come when the light of God is shown in that darkness. And I remember after, after that, I remember being in bed, sitting up, thinking to myself, it was that easy. It was that easy. And then I felt like uh, 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 it wasn't a vision because it, it was almost like a daydream. I kind of was just meditating. And in that time of meditation, it was me in a black room. And in this black room, I couldn't see anything. 
And I remember panicking because I couldn't, I couldn't tell where their door was. I knew it was there somewhere, but it was, I couldn't even see my hand in front of my face. And when I tried to open the door, I'd slam into a wall. And I remember in that darkness, tasting blood in my mouth and, and feeling the blood pouring out, thinking to myself, I'm in darkness and I, I don't know how to get out of this. And all of a sudden, within that vision or whatever it is, the, the dream, I felt a voice from behind me say, turn the light on. And when he said, turn the light on, all of a sudden, boom, the door's right there. And I opened the door and I walked out. But that's, what, that's how we live. And we're crying out to God in our darkness, in captivity. And all he's saying is, turn the light on. You're going to keep getting bloodied. You're going to keep being in defeat if you don't turn the light on. The light of God's word. It's a lamp unto your feet. It's the path that you have to walk in. I'm telling you the word of God is the ultimate. It's, 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 it's the game changer. And if you hide this thing enough, but sadly, in the church of today, I don't even remember what the, what the stats are, so I'm just going to make it up and pretend. But it's, it's something like this, right? Max, Max is like an accountant. She's like, oh, my God. Be specific. But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's like less than 1% of believers read their Bible every day. Is it something like that? It might be less. Somebody look it up for me. But it, it, there was a, a study shown that less than 1% of people, congregants I'm talking about, the people that profess to be Christians, less than 1% of y'all read the Bible. They crack that thing open. Listen, if you're a pilot and you know 1% of your craft, I ain't getting in that plane with you. If you're a dentist, a physician, a teacher, and you only know, you only crack that thing open, uh, you know, 1% uh, of the time, bye-bye. But why can we say that this is my profession? I've, I've, I've given my life to the study of, hmm, I've given myself to this. And then when it comes to our Christianity, which is where it counts, we can't even give God 30 minutes of our day to get in this word. How, do, how does that happen? That's all it takes. Well, I don't have 30 minutes. I'm a mom of five. Okay, but you're on Facebook tracking your ex-boyfriend's, uh, best friend's, sister's cousin. Don't, don't play me. Don't play me because I've been there a time or two myself. You end up, it's like, you know, your ex-boyfriend's, sister's cousin's brother, chef's dog groomer. I'm like, how did I get to this dog groomer, man? And dang it, it's been two hours. It sucks your time. And then, uh, and then but, but when, when the, the, the chaos hits and the disaster strikes, you're like, God. That's what Christians do. And I was one of them, so I, I, I can vouch for that. Because right when the emergency hits, now's not the time to fight, my love. The time to fight was in the time of rest. So, so we, we fight for the rest. That's what the word of God says. You are, that doesn't even make sense. We're fighting for the rest. We, 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 we labor to be at rest. That doesn't make any sense, but it does. Because you labor in prayer. You lab, labor in fasting. You labor in reading the word of God. Those are all sacrifices that we have to make every single day. And then what happens? It, God gives you ammo. 
God gives you ammunition because there's so many Christians out there and they've got, a, a, you know, an M16, a, an AR-15 or whatever you want to call it, a 9mm pistol, and they got no bullets. So when the enemy comes, you, you got that thing pulled and you're like trying to, there's nothing in it. There's no clips in that. I guess we don't have tons of shooters here, but okay. But how sad is that? To have a, how sad is it to have a gun with no ammo? Real sad. It's, it's actually useless. That, that shotgun is useless for the thief to come in. He can barge in. And you could just click, click, click. And he'll just take that thing out of you and hit you in the head with it. That's how we live as believers because we don't have the ammunition to take care of every devil in our lives. It takes you being strong and courageous. It takes you having a different spirit than the rest of this world. 2020, if you don't know, 2020 brought that on America. It brought that on the whole world. The spirit of fear is real. And you know when that entered in? Genesis 3. Where are you? I'm scared. You're afraid? Yes, because of my nakedness. And he's like, who told you you were uh, naked? What are you talking about? There was no verbiage like that before sin came in. And who's sin? The devil. The devil is the, is, is, is the master of all, the originator. Thank you, sis. And so when we let him in, when we let that fear in, we're just, we begin to side with the enemy. That's how, that's how evil that is. When the, the, when the fear sets in, we would rather side with him than actually be diligent enough to look in his word what the real truth of, of the matter is. The Bible says by his stripes I've already been made healed. So I don't care what the doctor's report says. The Bible says that he's anointed my head with the oil of joy far above those that are around me. So I have joy. Well, I'm just really sad today. Just, you know, it's rainy and gloomy. And like, you know, it's just, it's just one of those days. Okay. And, and we live by the feelings and we live by the emotions. And God is saying, I'm calling you up higher and I need you to know what I'm talking about. I need you to know the language of heaven. It's only this. I don't care about what's happening. I don't care about the COVID pandemic. Who crap? Who cares? Get in the word of God. This is not, we don't suffer a down season. If anybody came up in this piece, and I'm sure they didn't because this is the word church. But if anybody ever told you that this is going to be a season of down, that's not what the Bible says. In every season, my, my, my leaves will be green. In every season, I'm going to produce fruit. COVID, Biden, Obama, I don't care who it, who it is. Satan himself. All I know is what the word of God declares over me. It's what gave me the strength to come up here today to preach this to you. Because I didn't think that I was, I was good enough. I, I didn't think I was white enough. I thought I had to be blonde with blue eyes. I kid you not. That's how dumb Fear is dumb. And then I was like afraid of, of what they're going to say. I'm rough around the edges. I say things that are highly inappropriate. 
you know, I'm not going to be accepted. I'm going to say something bad. Because all the other ladies are like, hey, everybody. Oh, God bless you. I'm so happy you could be here today. And I'm like, sit down. I had three hours of sleep today. Give me some coffee. So I was like, so I was afraid of, of, of man accepting me. But the moment I got intoxicated with the word of God, it started to tell me that that's not who I was, that it doesn't really matter who, who I think I am. I am what the word of God says I am. I am full of joy. I am full of peace. I am beautiful. I am talented. I am gorgeous. I am healthy. See, he said I am healthy. I wish people would just start talking about what God is saying. Well, I don't know if you heard, but I think they're going to close down again in August. They're already lifting masks. Man, who cares? Put your hand to the plow and get the job done. You know when you get to heaven, God's not going to be like, you didn't do what you were called to do because of COVID? Indito, come on. He ain't going to say that. He's going to be like, uh, did you read? Did, did you have any idea of what I said? When, when, when uh, be in season and out of season, when, when the time is favorable or unfavorable, we're going to stand and do the work of the Lord. You're going to stand and do what you've been called to do. Every one of us is assigned a task, a race. And we set, we, we're, we're like, uh, uh, you know, Paul was saying that many people will, will run the race, but only they, they run for one prize. And only one person gets it. Win like you're that one, or run like you're that one person getting ready to win that prize. Let me tell you, that's me. Because I like myself some good MMA fighting. And I'm, we don't shadow box. Paul ta started talking about shadow boxing. And I was like, Paul, Okay. We don't, we don't, you know, we don't just fire punches in the air. No, we're training for a purpose. We're training for a reward from God the Father. He's entrusted me with this. The least I can do is produce fruit. Do you know God hates lack of production? You just going in and well, I guess I can go here. <laughs> I guess I can do that. You know how many people live their lives like that? Well, COVID um, code is blue now, so I guess I can go out of my house. What even is that? What is that? But God has called us for a specific purpose, and he's called you to produce in the beginning. Let me read it to you real quick so that you don't think I'm paraphrasing like I have been paraphrasing this entire time. Version of Dallas. In the beginning, God, what? Now, you tell me why that was the very first thing God described himself as. A producer. Do you know fear will leave you to a place of cowardice? Would lead you to a place of, of un, uh, you're unable to do anything? It literally stunts your growth. It leaves you in a place. Like literally there were times where I thought, I'm not leaving my bathroom today. <laughs> Isn't that cute? <laughs> Bye life. Because I was so overwhelmed with that spirit of fear. 
But then I found out that fear was birthed when sin came into this world. But Adam messed it all up. But then God sent a second Adam. His name was Jesus Christ. And he took upon that curse that was right for me, that was right for you. He said, I'll take that for you. My blood poured out for you so that you don't have to be a captive to, to, to fear. You don't have to be a slave to fear any longer. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a... So if God didn't give it to you, who did? Everybody knows that scripture. God doesn't give me a spirit of fear. And then we go into like, you know, uh, scared tongues. Like that's going to work. And I'm now circling back around because a, a lot of you grew up in a system that really used that spirit of fear to kind of line up however you look at the world. But you can't live in faith and you can't live, you can't have one, one foot of, in, in the faith realm and one foot in fear. Kenneth Copeland says, uh, uh, what is it? Faith contaminated. Fear tolerated. Thank you. That's right, girl. Mm. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. I wish that I said that, but obviously, no, I didn't. So if you have even just a little bit of fear, it spoils the whole freaking batch. What if I presented you a bowl of fruit? I want you to eat this fruit. I just put a little bit of arsenic. It's... It's in there, maybe in the bottom. Just have some. You'd be insane to have any kind of fruit from a, even if it had a little drop of, of, of poison in it. And that fear is poison and it spoils the whole batch. God is not a God, and I want you to understand that. God is not a God of need. He's not a God who's going to move on your behalf because you're sad or you're crying. God is a God of faith. And he's, the only way to move God is by believing in him. The just shall live by faith. That's you. That's me. We're just. We're, we're the believers of Jesus Christ. So when do you live? In a 24-hour span, when do you live? Facts. 24 hours. I asked that question on a broadcast, and they were like, I live like three hours in a day. <laughs> I think they were trying to be like Pacific, you know, like I'm, I'm going to be really specific about, about this. And like probably because I'm sleeping, that's not really living. And if I'm working, I'm not really living. So like three hours a day I live. And I'm like, okay, so go to the doctor. <laughs> You're a ghost or something. It's not a trick question. If the just live by faith, you're living 24 hours in a day in this realm of faith. So God has already said it's possible. It's possible to always be in the spirit of faith. But most people will walk in their carnality. And in their carnality, you're thinking about what you're seeing, what you're tasting, what you're hearing, what you're touching. And really God is saying, I need you to come here. This is the spirit of faith. This is the word of faith. That which we preach to you today. It's a lie. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Please don't mistake this for a freaking tissue box. 
There has been way too many people in North America that have confused the word of God for a tissue box. Ah. This is a sword meant to chop the enemy's head off. It's not meant for you to come in there and... You think that's what the Holy Spirit is? He's a comforter. He most certainly is. But he's not going to leave you in the state that you're in and just constantly coddle that depression, constantly coddle that anxiety. He's going to say, it's time to kick it up, girl. Let's go. Get up. Get up and fight. Get up and fight. And you know what I've learned through the book of, of, of David, through the story of David, is that once you defeat that giant, there's a leveling up. There's a reward for you confronting every Goliath in your life. And one of those, those things that you have to encounter or, or fight against is the spirit of fear. And if you can't get that, if you can't get past that, you ain't going to make it here on the earth. Because the greatest enemy right now is the spirit of fear. It's the spirit of fear. It's why people are masked up by themselves in a vehicle by themselves. Are you kidding me? It makes no sense. But that's what fear will do. I want everybody to know you're all gonna die. Let's just get that. We're all gonna die someday, okay? But people are so afraid of the fear of death, like the Bible says, that it's holding them into captivity. They're not stepping foot. They're not being productive. And like I said before, that's the one, one of the first qualities that God said he is. I'm a creator. He despises people that are not productive. That's why he even said, I'm going to give you some kind of a judgment. And it's going to be based on the fruit that you produce. I mean, take a look at Jesus. He was walking by and he's like, I'm hungry got me a fig tree over here goes over there there's no fig tree and then he curses the thing because he was like no that thing is supposed to have fruit so that was just a little we all think of like Jesus some weak emaciated broken down beaten down Jesus who's just sympathizing with everything that's not him today his hair is white like wool. He's got many crowns. He's got a tattoo on his thigh. He's got his robe is dipped in blood. His, his eyes are like a flame of fire. And his, his feet are like bronze refined in the furnace. I mean, you're, you're thinking about this weak, bendito Jesus. And he's saying, I'm full of power. I went into the bowels of hell. And I stripped the keys from the devil. And now I have the keys of hell, death, and the grave. What do you have to fear? There's no fearing. Stand up on your feet. There's no reason for you to fear. I wish you could get intoxicated with the Jesus that I know. He's not weak. He's not feeble. He's not a bendito Jesus. When he comes down and makes his mark in the, in the, uh, the field of Armageddon, y'all have read it, right? I'm going to tell you a little bit, Adal's version. He's going to be on a, a white horse. 
And all of the armies of the world are going to stand against the people of God. And he's going to take out his sword and he's going to get off the horse and he's just going to start, you know. No, that's not what it says. He said, the Bible says, by his breath, he will consume the enemy. He ain't even going to have to raise a finger. All he has to go is, huh. He's not going to do it that week, I, I guarantee you. So why in the world are we letting room for fear in our lives? I'll never get married. I'll never have kids. Doctor said. I'm not belittling what you're going through. I've been there. I could give you testimony after testimony of the things that I've been through. What I know to be true is that God is faithful. What I know to be true is that he's all-powerful. He is a glorious God. And if you trust him, he's going to take you to places that no man could get the credit for. I don't know why I'm up here except Jesus. And y'all are probably saying amen to that. It must have been Jesus. That's the power that you have on the inside of you. If you're a believer tonight, there's a, a, a dunamis power on the inside of you. It's, it's such an incredible power, yet it's dormant for so many believers because you've, you've bought into the, the fear, you've bought into the report, and God is telling you today, I need you to let that go. I need you to fully trust in my word, fully believe what I have to say, like it's yours. It's a choice that you have to make. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says, I would that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You know, he wasn't telling the heathen that. He wasn't saying, oh, I would that you would choose life, unbeliever, even though you haven't really, you're not of my bloodline and you didn't accept Jesus Christ. No. He was saying that to his children. And he said, I would that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Every decision you make to lop off the head of that giant is one war that your children will not have to face. Think about that. You keep on that depression, your daughter's going to get right into it too. They're looking at you. You, you keep battling that uh, addiction to pornography, your son's watching, he's falling right in line with that same spirit. It's until a believer decides, I am going to take the head off of this giant and me and my children will live. That's not a small decision. That's something you have to fight for. The Word of God creates warriors. He doesn't create pansies. It's, you know, they call this thing, the, 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 the Christians, that, that, you know, Christianity is just your crutch. Just taking you through life. We get beat down and boggled down, but Jesus, just making it through the day. And someday in the by and by. I don't even know dumb music like that because it just ticks me off. But there's lots of music out there that is just talking about waiting, anticipating. Beulah land, I'm longing for you. What? God has something for you right now. And if you're not getting up out of bed, let's go. Then I'm going to pray that God infuses you with a new kind of faith 
that will solidify the fact that you are called to do what you, you're called to do. And you're going to do it with excellence. You're going to do it so that you have something to present God in that day of judgment. Can you say amen? I want you to lift your hands up and shut in. Get shut in with the Holy Spirit. Shut in. If you know the, 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 uh, how to speak in, in tongues, I want you to begin to let that flow as I pray for you. Today is the day where the fear gets cut off. No more fear. No more doubt. Only trusting in God. I will fully believe in your word. I choose this day to live my life according to your word, which is life in abundance for me and my family. And anything that looks like failure, defeat, or fear, I let go of it even now in Jesus' name. Thank you for your wonderful spirit. Thank you for the spirit of faith. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, before I pray, is there anyone here who has never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life? If there's anybody here who has never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'm not trying to be cute here, but when I call people up to the front to pray for them, there's a real demon of fear. And the Bible talks about you if, if you, um, if, if there's not the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, if you're not born again, those spirits want to encamp at a place where it, it's, 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 it's available. And if you're not a child of God, and I'm, I'm not trying to be cute, I'm not trying to scare you into anything, I'm not doing anything, but I've seen that spirit of fear manifest, and I've seen people literally manifest while I pray. And if you are not ready, if there is something in your life that is holding that, if you were to die right now, would you with certainty know that you would meet the Lord? Are you secure in knowing that your life is right with Jesus Christ? If you cannot say a resounding yes, then I need you to raise your hand. Is there anybody at all that needs to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life? That's great. That's great. Now for all of you who want to break out once and for all, please don't come up here with a sad, sappy face. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pray for you. I need you to come up here with expectancy. I need you to come up here knowing that God has already done what he said he would do, deliver you from all the oppression of the enemy. That's already yours. So if you come, then you didn't get it. I'm not calling for those of you that want a pity party. I want, I'm calling those who want to go to war with everything against your destiny and the call that God has for you. And if that's you, and you want to make it a point that today is the day where this all ends. I'm going after God. I'm going after his promises. I am declaring war with the enemy who's stripping me of my health who's stripping me of my destiny. If that's you, I want you to run up to the altar real quick.
it's your time. If you're sick in body, if you're battling with thoughts of anxiety, you can't sleep at night. I've got, some of you have said, I've got trust issues. Uh, let's, let's, let's drop that off up here, eh? Today is your day to be set free, to be delivered in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Now lift your hands up. Close yourself in with God. It's over. The end of every battle with fear, the end of everything of panic, the end of, of, of defeat happens right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that as I lay my hands on every person in here, I thank you that every form of fear drops from their lives in Jesus' name. I curse that spirit of fear. I curse the spirit of infirmity. I curse the spirit of oppression and captivity over all of these people who've come up in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. For all of you that are out there, I want you to begin to pray in the spirit for all your brothers and sisters out here. In the mighty name of Jesus. I can't hear you. Christ. Everything in your blood, we shut the door to fear today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Be filled anew and afresh from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Be filled of faith. Faith comes on you like you've never experienced it before. And joy, joy from heaven in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I curse that spirit of fear. I curse the spirit of anxiety. I command you to be set free. I command you to be set free. I command you to have the spirit of faith. Everything you do, I command it to grow. Everything you do from this moment forward, declares the Lord. Stop fearing about the what ifs. Just do what I've called you to do. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I go before you. I'm right there after you. I have taken good care of you and will continue to take good care of you. Trust in God. from heaven I command you to consume everything that isn't right in the mighty name of Jesus Christ I command everything under my hand to be made right in Jesus name a fresh faith come upon you I curse the spirit of fear you're not going to die your children aren't going to be held captive it's time for you to separate yourself and go into the word like never before because where I'm going to take you requires for you to put down fear and pick up faith I curse that spirit of fear. You will never be the same again. That fear, that spirit of fear, that spirit of oppression, torment, it goes off of you now in the mighty name of Jesus. 
close yourself into me and watch me mark the steps for you to take. Where I have you to go is no small place. In the mighty name of Jesus, be filled with a fire from heaven and everything of fear goes now. Everything stopping you, I command its release now. Be filled and healed in your body in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. You are not going to be like your family was, like the generations before you were. You're going to be a woman of faith. And today you step into that realm. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I thank you, Father, for your consuming fire to come upon my sister like never before, burning out everything unclean. In the mighty name of Jesus, be healed. Be full of the Spirit and be bold like a lion. Be full of fire from heaven. In the mighty name of Jesus. No more excuses, says God. of Jesus Christ. I set you free. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the Lord loves you so much, and he really is pleased with you. say to you, now I'm going to take care of you and everything in your body that needs to be made whole. I command it by the power of the Holy Ghost to be made whole. Every tree planted by the evil one, I command it to be uprooted now in the mighty name of Jesus. And faith to come alive on the inside of you. I command faith to come alive on the inside of you and a fresh fire in your body. No more tormenting thoughts. No more pain. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, to the top of your head, to the soles of your feet, straight through your back. You, I command you to be every bit whole in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I command that spirit of fear to come off of you now in Jesus' name. I command fear to come off of you in the mighty name of Jesus. Faith comes alive on the inside of you in the mighty name of Jesus. There comes a point where you just have to trust God. Don't pray about it anymore. I've heard your prayer. Now you just say, Father, thank you that it's done. Trust me, because I'm going to bring it to completion. In Jesus' name, be filled anew and afresh from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. It is not time for you to go to heaven, so quit thinking about heaven things. It's good for you to, to dwell on the goodness of God, but it is not your time. We need you here. 
So in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I silence every voice that would say the contrary of long life. Satisfying long life belongs to you. I command everything in your body that's not right to be made whole in the mighty name of Jesus Christ.
All right, lift up your hands. Father, I thank you for this wonderful family. Thank you for setting us free, for delivering us today. We choose life. We will walk in your abundance and your goodness and your overflow in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that this week, no, today, by Sunday, let's say, by Sunday of, of this weekend, I thank you that we will have in our hand a manifested miracle of those things that we've been believing you for in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I declare you set free. I declare you healed. I declare you to be, have overwhelming joy. And I declare for you to sleep like a baby tonight in Jesus' name. No more fear. Say no more fear. In Jesus' name, you may sit. I'm going to take the fastest and probably the worst offering message you've ever heard. Because everybody starts clamming up when you, you say offering. And if you are a guest here, if you, you know, don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, please allow that offering bucket to pass you by. Because ain't nobody brought you here for your money. But for those of you, I know in my spirit that there's some of you that came to give tonight. And now is the time we open up for you to give to this ministry. In November of this year, praise the Lord, we are going to launch out into the biggest thing we've ever done, which is open up a church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're really excited about that. So think big is what I'm saying. Because whatever measure you use in giving, that's the way God gives it back to you. When I was 17, 18 years old, I went on a road trip with my family. This is pre-me understanding, like, what the Word of God has to say of abundance and prosperity and production for the child of God. So I remember being in this minivan that was held together by bumper stickers, and we took a trip to Hershey, Pennsylvania, and my sister was there at the time, and my two nephews were there at the time, my mom, my sister, we were all there. We were crammed up like all Spanish people do in a tiny vehicle, uh, not having seatbelts, you know? And so I remember going to Hershey Park, and it was like a big deal, because we never really did that, you know? We never went anywhere. And I remember going to Hershey Park and um, getting there, and thinking to myself, like, this is it. We drove, you know, six and a half hours out here for a chocolate ride <laughs> that didn't even last for more than five minutes. But there it was. We went to the Hershey thing, and, and it, was, it was over. And I remember we had um, just enough to stay at the Red Roof Inn in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And I remember staying there and sleeping over the covers. I put a plastic bag under, uh, underneath my, myself because it was so gross that I was like, no. And then I remember getting up early the next day, and we all packed into the vehicle. And um, all of a sudden, the car starts kind of shaking. And with the shaking comes the tossing of the cookies from my nephew all over the back of that seat. So I've got vomit on me. The car is shaking in, in a way that I've never really experienced before. And then, boop, pop off co comes the tire into the highway. So we are all literally now gathering outside of this major highway, okay, trying to keep each other alive. And we exit the vehicle, 
Um, and we have to sit in the, you know, when the cars are like passing by, ring, you know. And so I'm just thinking like, oh my goodness, like we're going to die here today. And then I remember the look of sheer fear that my mother had in her eyes because there was no male figure there except for my two young nephews, which at the time, I think one was like five and another one was like eight. And so she just, you know, fear set in. And so I remember um, go, us having to go to like Midas or Goodyear or something, get towed. All of us have to cram into this little tow truck. It was mad embarrassing, okay? There's like eight of us all crammed up into this little towing truck. And he takes us to Goodyear, and we have to wait. So by the time we end up getting home, it's probably like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Because, uh, by, by the way, my sister missed the exit and ended up driving through Connecticut. And my sister knows what I'm talking about. We're going to Massachusetts. Connecticut is not really close to Massachusetts. I know it borders, but where we were going, it's, it's not. So we miss the exit. We get a flat tire. There's, there's vomit all over the car. And I'm thinking, like, this was the worst idea ever. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, it'd be nice to have money. And I was 17 years old, and I didn't know what I know now. And so I, I uh, remember that because if my nephew was here, that's his wife right there, Pito, um, is my nephew, and that's his wife, Jessica. Um, but we always kind of like, we get together every now and again, and we just count back those memories because they were so awful. And uh, we just want to remind us, like, do you remember that? And it was like, it was so awful. Then we get home. It's 3 in the morning. All the doors are locked. And so little old me, I probably weighed 85 pounds, had to climb up my house to break into my door to let us in. So it was just like, it was like nonstop. Like, it was like, can we catch a break today? The curse is real. The curse is real is what I'm saying. And I remember at 17 years old thinking, there's got to be a better way. So fast forward all these years later, I go to Hershey with, um, were you there? You weren't there. No, my, my sister, my nephew, same nephew, um, Mags, I had another sister with us, and then her kids. And I rented the nicest vehicle you could rent. So we drove over there. It was the most pleasant thing that we ever did do. We took the kids to the ride. We stayed at a Hershey Park cabin, which is not a red roof in room, Okay. Like, it was glorious. And we all went back to the room, had a great time. It was full of peace. It was full of joy. I ordered everyone, like, six desserts because why not? I've got the money for it. And I remember sitting at the edge of that bed in that Hershey Park cabin thinking to myself, wow, God, you really are faithful. You really are good. And this is way better than what it, what, what, how I used to live. And I didn't know that giving was a mandate. Now I can break open the, the book of Malachi 3 and really, you know, hit you in the face with some verbiage God used. Wherein have you robbed me? Robbed? And they're saying, I, I, I haven't robbed you. And then he said, oh, yes, you have. You've robbed me in the tithe and of, in the offering. So a tithe is elementary. Say elementary. You tithe good. <laughs> but whoop de do. But when it comes to the offering, that's where it matters. And I am a living testimony of the goodness of God because we, we, we encountered the word. We encountered that truth 
uh, and the truth is what set us free. It set us free from poverty. It set us free from that mindset of captivity, of just enough, of buddy-o's instead of the fruit loops. It's a real thing being held into that kind of poverty mentality. And I don't know why the church always frowns against the prosperity message. If, you, if I took you to the places that I've been to, you would have a hatred for poverty. You would know that that's not something to, to, to bask in. Oh, wow, you're poor. You know, if you go, we went to nice town. I mean, for, for, forget ministry-related things. You know, where, where we were raised, I have family members that still live in parts of, of, of Boston, Massachusetts that are sketchy. And when you go in there, you don't feel safe. When you go in there, you're not going in and, and you know, you've got the mother dressed in like a knit, you know, outfit, making their kids cookies. No, it's stress. Poverty brings in stress. Poverty brings in fear. Poverty brings in sexual immorality. Poverty brings in addiction because nobody can handle it. You want to pacify the racing thoughts in your head because you can't get the, the, the mortgage paid, so you just hit the bottle, and all of a sudden you're hitting your wife, and all of a sudden chaos. So that's why I'm not at all ashamed to take an offering, and I'm not at all ashamed of talking about money in the Bible. Because God said, by his poverty, he's made us rich. And rich does not mean like a spiritual richness and blessing, hallelujah. Rich means monetary wealth. And God has set something before each and every one of us that requires wealth. For example, living. You know, you want gas in your car, you want to take that road trip, you need gas. I mean, I, you, you want to live in that house, you're going to have to pay rent. You're going to have to pay, pay for the house. Why, why does all of a sudden everybody gets uncomfortable about money when it's something that we have to do 40 hours in a week to get? We can't talk about it because you're going to get your panties in a bunch. It set me free. It set me, the, the knowledge of the word of God set me free, delivered us, and now I flew in private jet today to be here with you. I am not saying, I'm not saying that to, 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 be show, to show off. I'm saying that to boast in the Lord. Because I was at a, in a minivan 16 years ago with vomit all over me in a good year, wondering how in the world we're going to pay for this one tire that cost us $150. Think about that. But the goodness of God, when you adhere to the word of God, when you do what he's commanded you to do, the Bible says, whatever measure you use, I'm going to take that same measure and I'm going to put it back on you. Press down, shaking together and running over. Amen? So think big. The tithe is the lease in the land. I heard it like this. If you've got a plot of land, which let's just say it's your life, okay? Your life is the plot of land. And you owe the Lord the tithe because it's like, God, you've kept me here. I've got breath in my lungs. Thank you. Thank you that you've given me a job, that you've given me a home, that I have food in the, in the fridge. Thank you, God. And for that, here's my tithe, 10% of what comes in. But your offering is the seed that you put into that lease of land. And you can put in two little seeds of corn, and you'll see that two little things of corn will come up. 
But if you begin to plant seed, overwhelming seed, you're going to see a harvest multiply in ways that you've never seen. That's easy to understand, right? Yeah. So that is what determines the blessing. When you see the frustration, well, I gave and, and God hasn't done much to uh, bring that into uh, return in my life, sis. Well, well how, how long are we going to? You got it all twisted. To me, everything I own is 100% God's. It's like I'm living, so thank you. I'm not, I'm not counting, oh, this is mine, and I'm going to chip it off of here, and I'm just going to make sure that only 10% comes in. No, everything I have is yours, and it's an honor to even give you this bit. But let me tell you that when you cross over that, uh, you know, when I'm, I'm give to give or whatever, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know what kind of mentality you have to have to, to you know, always, I don't know why God is, hasn't really come through for me since I gave, in, uh, you know, five months ago in the offering. And I haven't really seen the return on that. You know, Gloria Copeland says it best. There's consistency in power. There's power in consistency. It's late. <laughs> There's power and consistency. See, that's why my life is an offering unto the Lord. Because I'm like, dang, everything of me is yours. Because I couldn't have done, I could not have flown here on private jet. Are you kidding me? They used to call me Balky. They still do. Do you remember Perfect Strangers, anybody? Okay, so let me talk to you. <laughs> they used to call me Balky. Yes, yes, the cousin. Because he would always mess up the verbiage. He'd always be like, oh, it's just blood under the bridge or, you know, water and whatever. He'd always just kind of like confuse the verbiage. That's me. So when I tell you that there's no way that I can come up here and tell you like that I did this. Look at me. I'm so smart. I'm a beauty queen. I'm, I'm, I'm this. I'm that. No, it's literally only by the grace of God. It's only by God's goodness that I can be here today talking to you. So I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think of that number that the Holy Spirit is talking to you. And if there's two numbers, it's the bigger one. In Jesus name. And I thought the father, I thank you that every person who gives tonight, I thank you for a hundredfold return on their gift in Jesus name. I thank you, Father God, that this offering will make room for them in ways that they could never have done it themselves in Jesus' name. I thank you for open doors of opportunity. I thank you for a rich blessing to fall upon them and their children in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, just like it was with that woman who made a room for the prophet, she had plenty of money. But what she couldn't have was a child. I thank you that even as we offer you this simple thing of, 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 of money, you come and make it manifest in ways that we couldn't take the credit for. No man could take the credit for. For you know what every person in here desires. You know the need of every person in this place. And so I thank you for a bountiful harvest in Jesus' name. And everybody said... We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give... 
to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.